0: me here and but I came in and I went to the prayer group which was great then I went for coffee and I'm just I took the coffee and I'm just about to take a bun and I heard don't eat it (laughs) and it was a female voice and I thought is God speaking to me through a female voice and what it was, was uh, we used to do a spin class. Hamish went to it as well, and a few others, Gary here. And uh, she went along and she was trying to look after my health. So thank you for That's my first impression of grace. Don't <laughs> eat it. <coughs> so it's good to be here. But my, my topic today is thinking biblically about experiencing the Holy Spirit. Thinking biblically about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And there is, this is a subject that I believe that needs to be looked at and considered not just by Grace Fellowship, but the church today, particularly in the West. Young millennials need to think about this. Middle-aged guys, old people like me, we need to be thinking about this because some have hijacked it and others have neglected it. And almost 20 years ago, Tim Hughes wrote this song, Consuming Fire. And in it, he sets and he asks for a visitation of the Spirit of God. There's something within him as he writes this, and his desire is for a fresh visitation of the Spirit of God, influencing the church's devotion, transferring and getting their characters correct and equipping the church with a new renewed experience of the holy spirit and the implication is i think in the song that we have neglected him some have abused him and we need to be thinking biblically then about experiencing the spirit there must be more of this there must be more than this he says As he looks around the church and as he looks around the malady of evangelical circles, he's saying there must be more than this. But 40 years ago, Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, wrote these words. Everywhere I go, I find God's people lacking something. They're hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all the expected And they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today, he said, are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation, this is over 40 years ago, is that men and women who profess Jesus need to be filled with more of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, Billy Graham, 50 years ago, as I look out of the church, and as I assess the church, men and women, young millennials, need to be filled more with the Holy Spirit. My text is verse 13. We left it out so that it would come up here. Jesus said, "'If you then, though you are evil,' Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And he goes on teaching who the Holy Spirit is and his role and what he will perform in a future day. And Jesus was very clear and unambiguous about the person of the Holy Spirit. The context from where we get our text is one of prayer. The disciples in question admired the life and the ministry of Jesus. They looked at him, they admired him, and they wanted to emulate him. And so they said, verse 3, Lord teaches her to pray. And he immediately introduces them to the Lord's prayer. And we know it, and he concludes with the experience of the Holy Spirit. He says, here's how you guys have got to pray in this way and with these ingredients. And he says, but you know what? You need more of the Holy Spirit. And your father is not reluctant. He wants to give you more. So Jesus is saying here, the prayer and the Holy Spirit are inextricably linked together. And what I want to do is ask and hopefully answer three questions. Have we biblical next question or next one ground have we biblical examples of people who experience more of the Holy Spirit? Luke is writing at a time when the Holy Spirit had not been given in his fullness. But Jesus challenges the disciples here to root their quest in the character of God the Father. Let's consider Old Testament examples. Beziel, Exodus 31 and 3. I discovered recently that he was the first person in the Bible who was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The first person recorded in the Bible. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Exodus 31, 3. And God had given him a creative gift. And he was able to use that with his hands and he experienced the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit visited. And God the Spirit gifted him. And he uses that creative gift in a powerful way. What about David? David who blew it. David who messed up. And in his penitential psalm, Psalm 51 and verse 11 he requests that the Holy Spirit remain on him and not be taken away from him because he knew the power of the Spirit. Solomon. In 2 Chronicles 1, chapter 1, verse 7 and 12, he was also a king, the son of David. He asked for more wisdom and, and knowledge from the triune God and gave God gave it to him via the Holy Spirit. So there was a desire from these selective examples for more of the Holy Spirit. And God was not found wanting in allowing them to experience more. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon men and women and he left them. And that was a particular period of progressive revelation. But let's consider New Testament examples of people who experienced... More of the Holy Spirit. Number four. Good, you got them. You're on the money ground, wherever you are. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon people and left them. But in the new, he comes in all his fullness, as Jesus had promised in John 14 and in John 16. And in Acts one, he says, "Wait, and the Holy Spirit will will come upon you. He will immerse you. He will drench you." And it happened. What a moment at Pentecost, Acts two. Wow, the turning point in the church's experience—the fullness of the Holy Spirit was poured on the church not in a transitory way, but to dwell permanently in them. What a moment. Promise of Joel 2 was being fulfilled in Acts 2, and the church was given gifts and tools to do the ministry. Not in their own flesh, not in their own background, not with their own prowess but in the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Men and women were immersed in the Spirit, and as a result, they were given more of the Spirit, followed by the gifts of the Spirit that enabled them to perform the job. Apostles, the letters record the work of the Holy Spirit, in the life of men and women who blew it. But God took them up again and used them. So we have, but what about Paul? Paul, the great theological giant, the great intellectual person, Paul, how does he pray for the church? Does he pray, Lord, just bless them? No, he's much more specific, and I've just chosen two of his prayers. And he says in Ephesians 1, I keep asking the God of our glorious Father that he will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him more. I pray that you may know the incomparable power of the Spirit. That's what Paul's praying for Ephesians. And so what we're doing is laying a foundational, a biblical theological foundation that's not shaky but it's firm and it's solid of men and women in Old Testament, New Testament, who were looking for more of the Spirit. And then in Ephesians 3, Paul prays again. He prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, the incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength when Christ was raised from the... Hey, what do we know about this? Is this just for wacky-backy people? No, this is for godly people People who have gone wrong but have the Spirit of God living within them. Have you the Spirit of God living within you? So Paul is praying and I think we can concur with that briefly that we have biblical foundation and we're able to say from Old Testament and New Testament we need more of the Holy Spirit. The question is, number five here, slide, how do we pray? From the heights of the Old Testament and the New Testament and the great theology and the biblical clarity, how do you pray? One of my favorite people years ago was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He ministered in Westminster. And he said this, we pray like people on holiday chilled, relaxed, little passion. Is that true of us? Could it be true that we have come from a theological, sociological, psychological paradigm that has made us too suspicious of our feelings and our emotions? For in the background that I've grown up in, and I came from a non-Christian, non-evangelical background, into being a Baptist, and I was told, don't trust your feelings and don't trust your emotions. I get that, but you know what? We did that too well. Too well. So the first question I think we have tried to answer biblically and theologically of examples of people who looked for more and wanted more. So the question is, if you're tracking with me logically here, why don't we ask for more? If we're clear that the Old Testament and the New Testament teaches this, and if we're clear that we're a bit anemic in our own praying, Why don't we ask for more? Well, there's been a lack of teaching in the circles I have grown up, especially when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. Some are cessationists, sincerely believing that the sign gifts ceased with the apostles. So they're saying that they're Certain gifts, there's about 20 of them, but certain sign gifts, like tongues and healing and prophetic words, they ceased with the apostles. Others have reacted from the extremes and said, look, let's not really bring that onto the table. It's a bit controversial. While others of us have been open, but cautious. We call it discernment, but we're cautious. (laughs) We're cautious. Whatever conservative evangelicals have not been taught on this, and as a result, we're coming late to the party, and we own up. But there's been a consequence to it. And here's the consequences of lack of teaching and lack of bottle to handle it. There's a low expectation. A low expectation. We have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask wrongly. We have a divided heart, we're not sure. We're uncertain. We're ambiguous. And then what we see, we say, we don't want that. So I think we can say from, from these incidences that deep down we don't expect great things from God. And as a result, we don't attempt them. I'm talking about my world. That's, you're going to get other worlds coming to speak to you. Our background, our churchmanship, whatever yours has been, has set the parameters and the limits on us of what is appropriate. Not the Bible necessarily, but our backgrounds. What we can legitimately expect, and as a consequence, we've been driven by our culture and by our ethos and by our tradition and not by the Bible. Well, we say it's the Bible. But we've had our own denominational glasses on the Bible. All of us. So we have a low expectation. I remember six months ago, Paul Reed and I have been close friends. I'll give you two illustrations of our friendship. One is, uh, 35 years ago I was speaking at the Highlands Hotel. And... uh, so one evening, he and Priscilla turned up. I'd never knew them, never met them in my life and with all these girls. And the proprietor said to me, listen, Freddie, there's a young couple, young, they were my age, but the young couple then, they said, he is very sick. You need to go down and see him. He's from Northern Ireland. So I went down and I said, how are you, I'm Freddie and Paul. So, and he was rolling in agony and And I prayed with him and I laid my hands on him. Now remember, I'm a Baptist pastor. (laughs) He's gospel (laughs) hall. And the next day he comes to me and he said, Freddie, I got healed last night. I'm going, what? (laughs) I prayed, but I didn't expect that much, you know. And then at his farewell, they blew me to pieces because Priscilla got up and said, We've had 35 years, and the reason we're charismatic is because of Freddie McLaughlin. He laid hands on us, and we were. <laughs> you, you can ask him that when, he, when he's here, because he tells that story, and I hide. But you know what? Over the years, I've tried to let hands on people. Very few have got healed. I've wanted to see that, but just the minority. But the second illustration was six months ago. We go to football together. We support a team that has taken a sabbatical this year. They've just taken a <laughs> <laughs> they've taken a year out, I call it. <laughs> and uh, I was we were walking up from Windsor Park up the steps together and I said, Paul, Baptists need more of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? Charismatics need more of the Holy Spirit. None of us at no tradition have it all together. Jesus saying, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? No church, no tradition has it sussed. Another illustration is of Nabevan who was a laborer cabinet minister in the British government about 1950s. He was a former trade union negotiator, and one day he walked out of a meeting between management and the union in tears, quite a robust Welsh cabinet minister. When asked by the reporters why he's so upset, he said, I'm heartbroken by the paucity, the smallness of their expectation." Could it be the church in general doesn't look for or doesn't expect to experience the Holy Spirit? Our expectation is low. We come in and do the business and we go out. And deep down it has a root and it's called unbelief. In all of us. All of us. The sin that so easily possesses us. Because in Luke 9.46, these disciples, they were disputing who's the greatest among them. Church politics, that's what they were saying. Who's the main guy here? Chapter 9.46. And then from chapters 10 to 13, Jesus teaches them about faith but you know what? At the end of the book, chapter twenty four, twenty five. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe the scriptures. And I think that's where we are. I think that's what we're like, most of us. There is an unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So we talk about politics and we talk about ethos and we talk about subculture and we talk about our tradition, but we never at times from our hearts believe that God can do far more exceedingly abundant above all we ask or think. The Old Testament example illustrating Israel's unbelief in the wilderness is made as an appeal to the readers in Hebrews 3, beware of a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns you away from the living God. Getting back to the disciples, Jesus told them, chapter 9, he had already told them before chapter 11, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. But Lord, we want to do what you're doing. We want, we want to see signs and wonders. And he's saying, you know what? This goes out by prayer and fasting. Same thing, chapter 11. Now, chapter 9, you've got to deny yourself. Who wants to deny yourself a bun? Do <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like James Bond films. Hey, who's James Bond? Forgive me, guys. He's... But uh, I don't know who's, who acted him the best, but that's... That's where I'm at. And one of my favorite incidents is when he's lying on the table and the laser beam is about to cut him. Not in a good place, but it's just, just about to cut him in half. You remember that? And Bond asks Goldfinger, do you expect me to talk? Goldfinger replies, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. And moving away from fiction to history, Bonnefer, who was imprisoned in Nazi Germany during the war, said, Christ bids a man and a woman to come and die. Not a seeker friendly thing. Die to self, die to low expectation, die to unbelief. This could be momentous, this series. Whereas you develop as a church that you actually die to yourself and your unbelief and your low expectation and the church culture and the church ethos and say, you know what, Lord? I want more. I want more. For Jesus said, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it just remains alone. But if it dies, it produces fruit. Quickly, quickly what should we ask for? What should we ask for? If we have established theologically and biblically that the Old Testament and the New Testament people of God were open for the Holy Spirit, and if we have stated clearly that Jesus is saying to his disciples, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? Because it In the Old Testament, he was given partially. In the New Testament, he's given fully. You're now, after Pentecost, this Psalm, Pam Sunday, ready for resurrection. So what should you ask for? Well, our verse says this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The disciples knew there was more. The biblical background informs and challenges us. There is more. And we now know some of the reasons why we don't ask for more. But the question is, what should we ask for? Next question, we should ask for more of an awareness of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you get the gifts there as well. That's our ultimate focus, that we ask for more of an awareness of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I need him in my praying. I struggle there. And he tells me in Romans 8, 26, 27, he'll help me in my praying. But I need more intimacy. I I need to get to know the person of the Spirit and the, the wonder of the Holy Spirit and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit and the assurance of the Holy Spirit so that he will help me in my praying and in my living. More intimacy. More revelation. The tradition I grew up in, I reckon some of you may have grown up in that tradition as well. People use prophetic words without saying that. Because they weren't taught. That in their praying, they actually felt a burden and a desire for someone. And they went to that someone and they said... I do believe that God has menaced and said something to me about you and here's what it is. That's what it is. But we never put a category over it. Revelation. More understanding. More power. More experience. More gifts to be used with discernment and openness for God. Lord, I don't want the superficial, I don't want the weird and the wacky, but I want to be open to your Holy Spirit that will glorify the Lord Jesus, that will take me to the Father, and I want more. And I'm asking for more intimacy, I'm asking for more revelation, I'm asking for more understanding, more power, more experience. That's what I'm asking for because as I go out and live my life at university or at school or college or in the workplace or getting older, I need it lest I become grumpy. (laughs) I've just brought it right down because my grandchildren say, their mummy will say, Tuesday's our day. See, we take them out, pick them up at school, And we take them out, and then we bring them home. And I'm going, happy days. Linda wants to stay, wants to put them in the bath, put them to bed. I want home. I want home. And Jenny will say, how did you get, they call us Ampa and Amma, Ampa and Amma. And so they will say, how did you get on today? And Jonah will say, Ampa was grumpy. The danger of getting older. I'm not going to point you out it's this group here you can get grumpy and you can get you know what you can get cynical and you can get skeptical and you can get hurt where do you get hurt? in church I'll not go there we don't have a reluctant father that's what Jesus is telling We need to take the place of Oliver Twist who pleaded, please sir, may I have more? Thank God our Heavenly Father is not a Scrooge figure. That's what Jesus is teaching. Your father is not a scrooge. Your father is not reluctant. Your father is not hesitant. And in verse 5 to 8, he, he says this. He says, we need to be like the friend at midnight who in verses 5 to 8 pleads and persists and says, Lord, I want more. And we need here verse 9 to 12 to ask, to seek and knock until it is given and found and open, so that we enter into the promises. You know what the Puritans used to say? Sue him for it. But if it's true we pray like people on holiday, we're not going to get anything. But if God the Spirit should awaken us and arouse us and give us a real passion for him, we'll want more of the Spirit. George Whitfield was so discontent with the conduct of his religion that he he longed and looked for a personal and powerful life transforming experience. He he read it in the Bible, he he saw what Paul was praying for. He 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 saw the disciples asking for more. He he looked for David, who said, Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He, he looked at Solomon asking for wisdom and power and not for riches. He looked at Be- Belziel, who had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, You know what? I want that. So regularly, Whitfield after supper, he would walk in Christ's meadows, church meadows, just across the way from Pembroke College in Oxford. There under the tree he would kneel, prostrate, desperately, earnestly, pleading to be filled. Ephesians 5 and 18, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was. God anointed him, blessed him, used him for his glory. That's what we should ask for. Bible says eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Let's not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We have been afraid of him. We have neglected him. We have not taught about him. So that's why we became legalistic. For we didn't grow. We conclude by answering Tim Hughes' question. There is more for this. And Jesus said, If you then, being evil, which you are, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. I mean, you're not a Christian this morning. You've just walked in. I don't know who's who here. And You're saying, I need to know more of God. Need, I realize Christ has died for me. I realize that He's risen. I realize I'm <laughs> sinful. I need Christ in my life. Cried to Him this morning. And the Holy Spirit will come and live within you. But as Christians who are maybe tired, maybe disillusioned, maybe not sure about this series, ask God to give you a broken and a contrite spirit that is open. Even though temperamentally, personality-wise, this really, you struggle. I encourage you to ask for more. To seek for more. And knock until the door is open. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's take a few moments before the folks come up to lead us, or they could come up now. And uh, let's just take these moments just of reflection as we pray the word of God into our lives. And Pray that something may happen to us even this morning and maybe you would like someone to pray with you at the end of this service. Use a number of places, the prayer room or whatever. number of us will be available, but the folks here are more capable of praying with you. But let's just take a moment and then hand over. Lord, as we come to you, We thank you that you know all about us. You know all about our church background. Some of it's been good, some of it's been not so good. And we just pray that you'll help us to have a a biblical, theological paradigm on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. But above all, help us to realize why we are the way we are, why we have little expectation. Why our unbelief catches up on us every now and again. And we pray that we may ask for more of the Spirit of God to do something in us, to give us a hunger, a desire, not in the laid-back sun lounger, but praying prostrate. Oh, consuming fire, come. And revive these cold hearts. Even if we've been hurt, heal these cold these hearts. And lead us on. For your glory. Amen.